What's up? This is your host, Brandon. And Lindsay. Welcome to another episode of the Unrefined Podcast. Our podcast is a recipe of the seen and the unseen, naturally supernatural from a biblical perspective, and a wee bit of conspiratorial for good measure. Keep in mind the fish rule, though. Eat the meat and spit out the bones. So, Lindsay, how you doing today? What's going on? Still watching the periphery, <laughs> listening to most of what I was listening to last time. Yeah, I wanted to share that. I finished the book, The Outliers. It was really interesting. I thought it was a newer book, but it wasn't a new book. It was actually one of Malcolm Gladwell's older books. But it was really fascinating. And I love to read books now based on kind of the red pill mindset is what I like to see. You know, I like to go to original sources and read what a lot of these thinkers are thinking a lot of these guys, not necessarily Malcolm Gladwell, but a lot of these guys are are putting what they're doing in our world, in our, you know, in the world and internationally, globally, locally, they, they're putting it in, in everything they do. And they just expect us to be so dumbed down that we don't read, you know, what their plans are. But I just, I thoroughly enjoyed this book, The Outliers. I recommend it, you know, for people to, to read just to, Learn basically how to become an expert in something, and that getting getting the hours in a lot of times is more important than actually being a genius, so to speak. Was it doing something ten thousand times? Yeah, it's ten thousand times that the magic. Yeah, that's it's, that's the magic number that he came up with. It's really amazing all the different strands that he weaves together. In this book, it was it. It was a it was a real patron. I I was trying to read one chapter a day, and I found myself wanting to read two or three. So that's you know a lot of times when I slog through books discipline wise, I, I I'm ready for the chapter to be over. But this book wasn't like that. I'm reading yeah. another book that's really similar. My my son and I, the Nathan, the older one, um, which actually sparked this push to discipline. It's it's a book about discipline by a guy who's an authority on uh stoicism his, his name is ron holiday and i listened to him on a podcast a caroline leaf podcast she's a brain neuroscientist mm-hmm. i listened to his stuff on her podcast and i started reading the book and i'm like i gotta get this for nathan and so we're reading it uh, one chapter once a week which is really hard for me because uh it's really good and i want to like read six yeah. or seven chapters at a time so yeah. That's what we're that's what I've been up to reading and, and watching. We're we're watching our Christmas movies. We're starting to watch them. So we're really starting to get into the season. Sandy said it really well. I think it was yesterday. She said, you know, Thanksgiving is a holiday. It's a one day thing, but Christmas is a season. And I still see great joy in the whole season of Advent and even even Christmas tide after Christmas. You know, I feel yeah. like that people put their stuff up too early and then they take it down the day after, you know, it's like they miss the whole purpose of the holiday season. Holidays are coming. Yeah. I wanted to take a minute and I have a special guest that lined up here that I want to to speak. Yeah. I want to, you know, have some time on our our podcast, hopefully for some testimonies of the things that we go through or people we've talked to or, or even supernatural stuff that we've seen or experienced or whatever. And, my my wife yesterday had a pretty interesting kind of a God encounter, and I wanted to welcome her to the show and let her talk about her God encounter and just brag on how awesome and how godly a, a woman she is. So 
here's my wife to share her testimony. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. I I just wanted to jump on today to kind of talk about this journey that you know we've been on in our 21 years together of learning how to follow God and live, you know, naturally supernatural. And I go to different places each week just to shop, and I end up almost always having a God moment where I share with somebody. And the reason I believe that happens is because over the last few years specifically, I've been very intentional in asking the Lord to like, you know, show me something while I'm out. Because when I go shopping, it's usually by myself. And, you know, I just love people. And and I'm I'm learning to love people in a greater way as the Lord leads. But yesterday what happened is I just was going to Walmart and I had to go to the restroom. And so I go in and I'm about to leave, go to wash my hands. And the only one in there, and all of a sudden this older lady just comes running through the door talking about how bad her life is and how horrible you know, this news was that she just got. And I don't know this woman. She's a total stranger. I've never seen her before. And so I proceed to finish washing my hands and I'm about to leave. And she continues into the stall and keeps talking, which was very awkward. But she's using, the like, ba- she's using the bathroom while she's talking to you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, so, I mean, usually women will do that if you know one another, but I generally don't, you know, like go in the bathroom and just talk to complete strangers all the time. I might say good morning or, you know, be cordial, but I don't just usually strike up a conversation in the bathroom. And well, what's guys, interesting. Guys won't do that at all. <laughs> we we, we well, won't talk in I the mean, bathroom. it's awkward. <laughs> but yeah. what's interesting about. Yeah, interesting about this is you guys know that I've had, I've told you this before, years ago, the same sort of thing happened, but I was like, God, it's so awkward. Do you want me to pray for this lady? And if you do, please let me see her somewhere else in the store because I just don't feel comfortable praying, you know, in the bathroom. But yesterday he had me pray in the bathroom. And so what happened is she's in the stall. She's talking to me, a complete stranger. I'm trying to leave the, the restroom. I've just washed my hands on my way out the door. And she's still talking. And I thought how rude it would be if I just left her alone. So she kept talking about, you know, going to the doctor and getting medicine and yada, yada. And I'm like, okay, God, I guess I need to pray for her. So I stood there and waited for her to come out. And I said, you know, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And she's like, oh, yeah, I know God. I know Jesus. I pray. And I ask him all the time to heal me, to help me to, you know, and I said, Oh, that's awesome. I said, do you believe he could help you today? And she's like, Oh yeah, sure. I I guess so. Like, and so I just proceeded to encourage her to, you know, like to change the way, you know, like reframe what she was thinking instead of begging God to heal her, just beginning to believe that he can, that he already potentially has and that she needs to claim it. And so it was very simple. And I just, I laid hands on her and what she had was highly contagious, but, but I laid hands on her shoulder, not in fear. And I just simply said a prayer. I didn't get her name. I didn't try to lead her to Jesus. I just said, he is your healer, your provider, and he wants you well. And so she was all excited and she thanked me and then we left. And it was as simple as that. But I just realized that it was God encouraging me in a lot of ways to release my faith and that what I believe and my faith matters to other people. And so that's how I'm beginning to walk more in a natural, supernatural of believing who I am. Said, so, you know, in the Bible, it says in Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him who believes. Do you believe Jesus can heal you? It's as simple as that. And so I just want to encourage, you know, you guys listening 
that all it takes is in, a little bit of intentionality to be present in the moment, to hear God when you're in the bathroom and he says, go pray for somebody. And, you know, and to be sensitive to other people. And I'm not always that, but on my ventures out into the world weekly, I'm trying to be more present and to be, you know, like a better friend to people. Yeah. You know that (laughs) you say that in the bathroom, that reminds me of always when we were, since we've been married, (laughs) I think even before we would always take yeah. a fortune cookie and, and add <laughs> whatever you in the bath in the bathroom. And so it's like my, my wife has, has come up with a new saying, I'm gonna pray with people in the bathroom. <laughs> Thank you for that testimony. I, I I welcome you back anytime to give us yeah, testimonies. Thanks, Sh- share more. Yeah, share more stuff with us, you know. Thanks. You're welcome. Got, I can't so, wait to hear what you guys are gonna talk about today. Uh, well, thank you. All right, yeah. we'll talk to you later. All right, so Lindsay, what's on the agenda today? What are we talking about? Bones, uh, bones. big ones. Oh, bones! <laughs> oh, you said bones. I thought you said phones. I'm like, no, yeah, not phones. <laughs> we're all tired of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But bones, yeah. I mean, we've heard countless, especially blurry episodes about. This notion of of giant bones being found on people's property. Yeah. What's the other one? Megalithic marvels. Um, yeah. Uh, megalithic. Yeah. 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 Megalithic marvels. Yeah. That one, and you know, it's just you Google search it, and you get Snopes and Politifact telling you, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Uh, there's countless, countless newspaper clips from the 1800s of people finding what look like giant skeletons. A lot of times they, they go into detail. It doesn't just sound like something pulled out of a butt. <laughs> yeah. And the answer is, well, you know, people just got bad measurements back there. That's the Smithsonian's answer anyway. And a lot of these bones that were supposedly went and were supposedly found by the Smithsonian all of a sudden either don't exist or, oh, they weren't giant or, yeah, I mean, you hear the story again and again, and it's just. Oh, yeah, there's yeah, there's even a, a, there's even a conspiracy out there that the Supreme Court made, uh, I can't remember the name of the organization, I should have written it down, but the, this certain organization sued um, the Smithsonian and made them, the Supreme Court made them release the information on all these bones and all that stuff. And then, and then you hear the other side saying that's a, you know, that's a, it's been quote fact checked unquote, and that's not true. And then I wouldn't know. I mean, honestly, in in that situation, I I think it is untrue. I mean, that's my personal opinion, but you, but you don't know it. And that's, what's so interesting about this day and age, particularly, you know, that's Satan's ploy and he's the prince of the power of the air. He's behind a lot of this is, is to create disinformation and confusion. Yeah, uh, it's like I want to ask sometimes who's going to fact check the fact checkers get to the place to where you pretty much if the fact checkers say it's it, it's not true, then it probably is. I mean, it's getting to that point in a lot of areas and, and people with half a brain are learning to really dig in and research. However, at the same time, you always have this this uh, specter called confirmation bias that can affect all of us. 
Yep. And we can go looking for it and find it. And particularly, I was just reading yesterday about uh, hearing God and listening to God's voice. And and I think that's that's the great thing that we have as Christians. We not only have the Bible, but we also have in that Bible the ability, it says, to hear the voice of God. So that gives, gives us discernment in yes. a lot of these, these areas. But anyway, this book was talking about the reticular activating system that we have, which short summary is just a little part of our brain that basically once you become aware of something, you see it everywhere and can work both positively and negatively. Uh, a negative example is you live next to an airport and the planes fly by all the time. The reticular activating system will get you to where you don't hear the planes flying by all the time. Uh, a positive would be if you're a, person that's a bird watcher and you know all these different bird songs you know you can memorize it the reticular activating system is going to help you to know a hundred birds whereas i probably know one or two and so yeah we have that working for us or against us you know in this whole situation but the evidence to me is just overwhelming if you go back to a time when things weren't quite as propagandized as they are now or when and and I'm going to jump out here and cancel land here and say or or when the faith of scientism was still young I call it faith because any scientist that doesn't believe it's not a faith is not truly a I mean it's it's quite obvious that scientism is a new faith up there with Buddhism and Christianity and all of us however in a time when it's still young and and people still attempted to be honest and journalism was it could be yellow but it still was a search or an attempt for the truth there you have the articles those articles you talked about yeah i mean what are some examples of it do you have any examples of the articles that did you read through any of them stand up well, stand yeah, out here's one from 1867 the arkansas gazette reprinted the following report from searcy record Three days earlier, giant bones on the McDaniel farm. This is an Arkansas paper, but this is in West Point, Mississippi. On the McDaniel yeah. farm, several miles below West Point. I've lived there for a little while. Uh, the yeah. river made a kind of cutoff, sweeping the earth to a depth of 8 to 10 feet. In doing so, it washed up an, an unusual number of human bones in size at least one-third larger than those of the present age. Dr. Diener measured a jawbone and he could easily put it over his. He also measured a shin bone, which was a great deal larger than his. The lower portion of the cutoff was literally covered with these skeleton bones and made one feel a kind of, <laughs> kind of ghostified to behold them, 19th mm. century. There must have been a graveyard at this place in days of old when people were of a larger growth than at present. Probably that was... Air chills and fever became fashionable. According to the White County property tax records of 1867, Dr. Diener was likely Dr. Richard Diener, who lived in Searcy. Searcy, Arkansas, right? Yeah, Searcy, Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the idea that skeletal size in the ancient past was larger. And this guy, here's a skeptic. This is William Stevens. The idea that skeletal size in the ancient past was larger than that of the present is common. In the 19th century writing, there is no evidence to support this conclusion. If you had done field work in the back country of Missouri in the 1950s, as I did, you would have found the myth of a lost race of non-Indian builders alive and well 
still standing and as much as seven feet tall and still very mysterious. So he's just being absurd here. And uh, The myth lives on and is constantly regenerated. After doing some excavations in rural Mississippi, I returned some years later to hear stories about seven-foot skeletons that I had uncovered in my excavation. The largest male we dug up was well under six feet in height. But what is one to do? So there's a skeptic. Even back, this is this was like in the the 1950s or 60s. Yeah, what was the Snopes trial? The Snopes trial was in the 20s and 30s. Yeah, yeah. 20s yeah so, 30s, so yeah. that's you know, there is one common thread through all these. I've tried to teach my kids, particularly my older one, but but my younger one too, to be skeptical of the skeptics because yeah. skeptics have agendas too. If seven and eight foot skeletons or, or larger skeletons started being found all that would totally uh, totally make them have to rewrite history which they probably need to do anyway and this is this is what really blows my mind Lindsay. and tell me what you think about this is it is it just because we have machines and technology nowadays we seem to think that we're smarter than people that lived thousands and thousands of years ago but yeah. yet these people that lived thousands and thousands of years ago able to build these buildings that lined up with the astronomy and stars and the equinoxes and the solstice. And they were able to have herbal remedies, particularly like in China, that now to this day heal things that, well, obviously the high paying pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know about because they won't make any money. You just see skepticism is is almost a, a virtue signaling of being in the, in the in crowd, which is ironic because in my opinion, in my very humble opinion, the higher you go up the elite echelon, the more likely they're not as skeptical about things as a lot of the leaves down the thing because they've seen the supernatural and they're yeah. part of the supernatural. But well, you mentioned Tennessee earlier, so, so yeah, I wonder, yeah. I, I'm assuming you were talking about this story. This was from a a Natchez paper in the yes. 1820s, but it's. Concerning, and it's really hard to read, but concerning giant skeletons found there on the farm of Turner Lane Esquire, the Mississippi Free Trader, Natchez, July Natchez, 25th, yeah. 1820. 1820. Um, pygmy skeletons found seven miles from where giant skeletons were found in 1820. And I guess that does sound a little sensational, but this is all over the place in the 1800s. On the farm of Turner Lane Esquire, five miles southeast of Sparta, on the waters of the Caney Fork of the Cumberland. So this is in Tennessee. Yeah. And on other farms adjacent have lately been found small graves sunk into the earth. And these graves are found skull bones about three inches in diameter, nearly nearly sound. The other bones are proportionately small. Between mm. two and three hundred of these graves have been discovered, and every tomb yet open was found a Black earthen pot, about one pint in capacity. Pot, when broken, exhibits numerous white specks around shining particles. It is a matter of striking curiosity that there is not to be found in the neighborhood of this place any limestone of the same species that which these are constructed. So this came from somewhere else. From the farm lane were found other skeletons of the same plan of similar materials. One at least is said observed to have teeth and all the bones belong to the human body. Mm. Let me see if I can get to the giant bone part. Well, let me I, let me here. stop you for a second there. I, oh, yeah. It, isn't there 
who is it? Is it the four one one guy? Paul Ides, pa- I think it's pronounced. Pa- Paul Ides, okay. He has this theory that there's certain conditions that are met when people disappear. This is another whole program too, but those of you who are familiar with the four one one basically is that that people have a strange habit of disappearing in our national parks. And there's certain patterns that appear when they disappear. There's certain types of rock around usually yeah. that that do there's certain types of amounts of rain and, and et cetera. Uh, I wonder if that, if it's, is it limestone or granite that it might be granite, but it seems like I just remember them that in another podcast or somewhere talking about how that they use granite and limestone stuff for energy back in the megalithic period. Cause they believe that, yeah. that they had the technology, more technology, you know, or as much technology as we as we do now, I feel like we're getting the cart before the horse because yeah. of the the giants, because of the nephilim. I just wonder what those little pots. I don't know. Well, yeah, I found the the giant part down here. Uh, the remains of a gigantic race are not more than seven miles from the burying place ground of these pygmies. Their skeletons are not shorter than seven feet, frequently above it. Yeah. Figure in imagination, one of these skeletons covered with muscles, distended by ordinary repletion, repetition. I'm, I'm, it's hard to read these words. Place him yeah, beside he's... the largest man of the present day and what would be his comparative appearance. The place where the larger skeletons were buried is covered with trees of no less uh, magnitude and age than there were the smaller ones were found. So, yeah, you got giants and pygmies here. That's interesting. but. I just thought yeah. the Tennessee thing was was interesting. I, when I, in my research, I, I pulled up this Choctaw. When I use the word mythology, that doesn't mean made up stories. It yeah, just I was means, just about to. I was just about to bring that up because I I wanted to engage in the something else that irritates me is how. If somebody is not a white Anglo-Saxon male, that means they don't have the intelligence enough to be able to supposedly see accurately or pass on accurately what they've seen in the past. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. well, it's an native it's Native Americans that believed it, therefore it's it's gotta be false. It's gotta be a mythology here. You yeah. know? It, well any, anyway, that's my opinion. I just want to throw that in there. It's, well, it's, it's I, I was, not true. <laughs> that, that, you're right. But then there's the <laughs> other route where I was going is the Cherokee. Not the Cherokee, the Choctaw. Yeah. uh, Located in southeastern Mississippi for the most part. They expanded later, filling in places where all the dead and runoff people had gone. But they, in their uh, founding stories and in mythology, have this idea of a a race of men called the Nuhalo. I think I'm saying that right. It was spelled different ways. Yeah. Were these giant cannibals. And they were located in Tennessee. Interesting. And and at one time, the, the Choctaw claimed they went and did battle and, and vanquished them. But, but it just got me thinking, you know, the Choctaw aren't the only ones with stories like this. No. Of, the, the Yazoo have, have a story that they passed on to the Choctaw right here close to where, where we live. Yeah. In Yazoo City, there was two mounds. And in these mounds, they didn't find giant bones per se, but they found places where giants were to be buried in vaults. Yazoo City got bigger, so they went over these mounds and stuff. But they found these vaults in there that the average Native American, or what we consider a Native American, 
of the generations that we as white Anglos met, uh, they didn't do that. And I just find it fascinating that this myth just it, it permeated all across yeah. North America. Yeah, it all was across huge. North America. And it makes me want to say some of the people to now who normally would bend over backwards to accommodate what they call the indigenous. Okay, well, well, how come, how come you're not taking into account the oral traditions of the indigenous people here? What do you think you're better than them? You think? No, they think they're smarter than them, are, Lindsay. Are, That's the problem. It's that racist. It's that, What's going yeah, on here? <laughs> yeah, come on. I mean, yeah, it's. Are their oral it, traditions inferior to your written ones? Is that what you're saying? You know. <laughs> It yeah, just, exactly. Yeah, it, 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 it disgusts me. It, it really does because it it's not true for one. You know, I, I think the the indigenous here, the aborigines here, no matter what generation or what, I think there's several had a rich culture and a yeah. a rich oral tradition. And what people don't realize about, I think, sometimes is being. Uh, I'm not a historian like you are, but I, I love history. And I, and what people don't realize about oral traditions is is that they were it's not like the game of telephone that we played in, in elementary school. Yes, yeah, some things would get changed here and there, but overall they were uh, they were very particular about keeping these stories pristine. They wanted to be able to pass them forward because you know, until they had a written language, they had no way to do that. You know, and that and that's something else that's really interesting is a lot of the North American indigenous North Americans that the Anglo's met didn't have a written language, and they found runes up in New York that were basically Phoenician. Yeah. So where did where did that come from? Hmm. Yeah. So maybe even before the Vikings, which they they you know they they for years finally had to admit the Vikings came before Columbus, and Columbus was not the first. Apparently, somebody came before the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, Phoenicians. Not to get into the stories of all how they there's giants on all these little islands in the Pacific, Eastern Pacific, you know, area, Asian Pacific area, Easter Island and all those areas. And there's whole mythos of, of ruling ruler classes that were giants. Yeah. And and yet, well, you know, we didn't see them. We didn't take a photograph of them. So they're not real. The arrogance of skeptics is what keeps us from, you know, really getting to the truth. One yeah. of the primary, I think, virtues of quest for truth is humility. The if I thought this was, stuff was false, wasn't true, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it out there. It's yeah. just that there's just so much evidence out yeah. there that people yeah, just what choose you said to earlier. What you said earlier about confirmation bias, we got to be careful about not seeing it everywhere. Yes. Um, you know, that, 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 we, we got to check ourselves. Yeah. I, I'll give you an example of that. When it I comes pulled to an that article. Too. I pulled an article, and, you know, it's a shame that you have to go to New Age sources to get really decent, somewhat true, probably really true articles about this kind of stuff that is, you know, it's, it's so fringy. But I pulled an article that I thought was really interesting. And a modern day researcher, his name's Freddie Celia, he talked about that embedded in all these different myths in the ancient world that these gods, and that's the giants, 
descended from the belt of Orion. They came to Earth and became our yeah. ancestors. Mm. And then it goes on to talk about what I thought was really fascinating was these beings from Orion were red-haired giants, and their images can still be found on a cave and rock wall drawings surviving from antiquity, including those painted on the walls of Horseshoe Canyon, Utah. Yeah. And 17th century European explorers, they went to the Pacific Islands, Easter Island, New Zealand, these different places, and they were amazed how many blonde-haired natives inhabited Polynesia. Now, 60% of the Tahitian Islanders were blonde and blue-eyed. You know, they actually called this, and I thought this was really fascinating, and I, I need to do some more research on this, but the offspring of these gods were called the Nephilia, and which translates into the children of Orion. Oh, wow. Sounds and like Nephilim, kind of. Nephilim, exactly. And, and I don't know if uh, if Nephilim is the, is the Hebrew word. Either, you know, here's your choices. You can you can be a skeptic and not believe anything. You can be really out there and, and claim to have no faith in anything, but yet believe that aliens spermed our planet, basically. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Or you can believe the Bible that has a very cogent worldview that has all this kind of stuff. It makes the world make sense. Yeah. So, hmm, I don't know. Like you said, that that confirmation bias, it works. It, it's a double-edged sword. It can work on us, too, because I've seen a lot of very well-meaning Christians activate their reticular activating system and, and make a mountain out of a molehill. You know, there's, there's yeah. jokes about that all over the place. The evidence still stands. Yeah. Uh, you know, the evidence of these beings that were larger than us. And it's obvious, too, in, in a lot of the analyses of the skeletons, they didn't have giantism. You know, they weren't, they didn't have the, yeah. like Andre the Giant, the wrestler had, or there was that other, yeah. that, that really tall guy that, that died really young. I've seen him in a wax museum. He was like 11 yeah. foot tall or I don't 10 know who foot you're tall. Talking about. And there's a woman in Turkey right now that has the same. I mean, it's a disease. It's miserable from what I've heard. It's it's not a good life. In which, you know, we don't know that that some of the Nephilim were not diseased. That that wasn't diseased. You know, we we don't know that. We don't know if if some of that was not a a mutation from different types of genetics. This this whole article we saw, I sent you the other day, Lindsay, the, the one that they've discovered the third humanoid we have neanderthals we have homo sapiens and we have the denisovans yes these people these skeptics state empirically things that they should be skeptical about yeah. you know if they were true skeptics and there's an agenda here i guess this is where my wee bit of conspiratorial comes in right now is there seems to be an agenda to hide this it's like almost until the proper time and then i wonder if it's going to be hidden anymore yeah, they, when make, they have need of it. Yeah. <laughs> so they, well, one, I, w- I want to share basically one more little little story that I pulled up from a questionable news source. Apparently, <laughs> there is a Russia's defense minister, uh, Sergei Sogu, wants they found the remains of some, and this is what I want you to pay attention to, they found the remains of some Scythian warriors and their horses that, that have been buried for nearly 3,000 years. And now this guy wants to clone 
these Scythian warriors and put them back in the action. And you talk about Dolly the Sheep. Everybody knows, remembers Dolly the Sheep, the the, the sheep yeah. that was. Well, he joked about and, Dolly the Sheep. I read this one. He joked about Dolly the Sheep in it. Or, or yeah. sounded, or, you couldn't tell if he was joking or not. I mean, it, it wasn't translated. Yeah. I mean, I saw it on Daily Mail. They're a little bit tabloidy, but. Yeah, well, you yeah. all remember the, the the Mel Gibson movie. If he wanted news, he went to the tabloids, <laughs> you know. Yep. I'm, not, I'm not saying that's true, but definitely probably a little bit of uh, predictive programming going on there. But, the, yeah. you know, it, it's just amazing. Why are they wanting to clone Scythians? I, I mean, okay, why would somebody, and I'm looking at the article right here, why would somebody invent this? What? What? Why not? Samurai warriors. Why didn't they want to bring back? I guess because they were located in Siberia, and we all yeah. we know the Scythians were spread all around Europe and yeah. and in Asia, the Black and Sea, all, a lot of what is now Ukraine. Um, yeah, they were all up over the to place. Siberia, but people who believe, kind of like we believe, have traced the genome back to, I think, pretty accurately. The, the research of like Laura Sanger and, and Gary Wayne and some other people that are out there, some names that you've heard of, Dr. Judd Burton, that they've traced this, this Scythian stream back to the Nephilim. And what I find interesting about it is in scriptures, Paul singles out the Scythians as a unique group, Greek, or he, he pulls out that one barbarian group and puts them in the scriptures what what was so significant about that one barbarian group that yeah. he pulled it out i think it's the passages in colossians where he talks about we're, we're not greek nor male female slave or bond greek or scythian yeah yeah and and you know i don't know the the whole yeah look at it real quick i don't know the whole background the greek i haven't studied into that that'd be something a fascinating study to do but it, it just always struck me as weird was what why that and then you know after i started popping the red pills about stuff uh yeah i just i all of a sudden realized you know maybe even then paul and them obviously through his jewish heritage of second through this the, the second temple period he would have a knowledge through yeah. the through the midrash or the talmud or or through the apocryphal books or Enoch that, you know, they all consider that scripture. He would have knowledge of where the Scythians came from. Yeah, it's, it's Colossians three eleven. Colossians three. Read that. In read, read Christ, that. there is, there is not Greek. And this is the CSB. Uh, in Christ, there is not Greek and Jew circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Yeah. Barbarian Scythian. He, he's like he's using, he puts them in juxtaposition with each other, male or female, you know, slave or free, barbarian or Scythian. It would interest me to do a, a word study on that and, and dive into that. I'm sure there's probably other people that have that with a lot more smarts and a lot more knowledge than I have, but I just think that's significant in some kind of way that, you know, and he's talking about being in Christ and. It goes back, Sandy and I, all the time, we, we take communion at night, and, and we always remind ourselves the whole subject of Christianity always goes back to blood. Yeah. 
it, it seems like the whole origin and creation of the world comes back to blood. It comes back to, you know, that life is in the blood. It comes back to that the blood of God basically heals us and saves us. I know that sounds almost heretical, but it is. It's the it's the blood of God. There's I don't know of any other religion where the blood of God saves people from their from their sins. Yep. Uh, so it all goes back to genetics. It goes back to DNA. It goes back to all that stuff. And and Paul in that passage is talking about pedigree. He's talking about male and female. Obviously, the, the gender difference, regardless of what our culture, <laughs> our crazy culture does today, there are still basically two genders. Well, not genders. There's two biological sexes that are male and female. I mean, it, it amazes me. You know, you get on some website and you can choose a billion genders, but you go do something for the federal government. You're either a male or a female. Yep. <laughs> so you see that it's maybe my particular activating system is activated and, and I'm in my confirmation bias right now, but you just see that there was something important about the Scythians. So why are the Russians going to make a Scythian army? Fascinating. You don't hear the, the Danish trying to make a Viking army or the, English trying to make an Angle, Angle or Saxon army or or a Norman the army. The weren't even related to the Scythians necessarily. I mean, no, no, not at all. So, so that wouldn't even. Yeah, it is odd. So they're Very known. Odd. They're they were known for their fierceness, but you know there was yeah. other races of men that were known for their fierceness. Look at the Khans. I just I want to say that for last because that just fascinated me, and I don't know how true the article even is. Really don't. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's 100 percent truth, because like came from questionable sources, and but there's no way for me to verify this truth. I dare a fact checker to go find out. They can't say it's not true. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the burden of proof needs to be put on these fact checkers to be able to say empirically these things aren't true. They can they just say what well, it's and they have all these varying degrees of somewhat kind of untrue, but not really, but kind of. And then by the time you get through reading it, you're like, what did they just say? Is it true or not? Yeah. Oh, they they, they put a they put a comma right there when they shouldn't have put a comma, and then it would have been true. It, it is. It's silly. It's propaganda. It's 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 they. It's them the them days again. <laughs> Let my southern accent come out. Yeah, th- this just diving, taking a deep dive into these giants and and learning more about them. And I feel like we're going to have more episodes about this, dealing with this these yeah. giants and where they even came from. But that's, like I said, that's another show, another podcast. Pick it up again. Yep, absolutely. I think I think we covered it pretty well, at least from our perspective, because I mean. After all, guys, that's all it is, is for our perspective. You know, we we have things we believe that are true and we have presuppositions. But, you know, the reality is in the, in the spirit of self-awareness, everybody does. Everybody has those echo chambers and everybody has that reticular activating system. But I think there's a place in God and biblically that we can reach a union of the mind of Christ and actualize the thoughts of God. I know that sounds really new agey, but I actually got it from a brilliant philosophy professor named Dallas Willard. And he talks about how it happens with people in community and stuff. So you guys, I think that there is a communal way to, to find truth. 
you know, truth is not my truth, your truth. There's a communal way that's experiential, definitely, but it's still nonetheless still true truth. It's just sad that we even have to say true truth. But in this time, that's that's what we have to say. Yeah. So before we go, I'd like to plug one more thing, and Lindsay can jump in on this too. If you're ever interested in something called DMM, it's called Disciple Making Movements, Lindsay and I both would love to connect with you. We would love to sit down or have a Zoom talk or a call with you and and share with you what we do as far as our ministry, carry to the world the gospel of Christ. And it's a whole new way of uh, being the church in the world. And uh, we would love to just to train you to answer questions about it, to to get you plugged in. If you're, if you're tired of normal church, if it's boring, if you're, you know, I know a lot of times to us guys, it can, can be not very appealing, but I will tell you this um, in this thing that, Lindsay and I have been doing this DMM, CPM type stuff. I see a, a massive influx of men, of godly Christian men, wanting to step out into a world of adventure and, and conquer the world for Christ. I know DMM was a just, I'd heard about it for years. and I don't know, I always shied away from formulas. It seemed really formulaic, but... But man, what I had going on wasn't working. And when I started connecting with people about DMM, you were one of those people. It changed something in me. Just the pursuit of disciple making movement. It changed my prayer life. It changed my walk. It, it changed everything. Just that seeking obedience to the the great the great commission we talk about a lot, but yeah, but don't yeah. really like to talk about praxis wise right um yeah exactly yeah i mean i'm not perfect man i still have dry spells when it comes to that that but man something changed when i switched that focus for sure it did, it, so. it did something to my heart Lindsay. i mean i don't know about you but it, it did something inside yeah. of me it, it gave me a sense of and I, I keep using that word adventure but it to me it's it, it, it's an epic way to live the word of God out versus just a religion, just to be yeah. you know compartmentalized with my compartmentalized life. I feel like I'm a part of something bigger, a bigger story, a bigger narrative, an epic. People yeah. write epic fantasies and, and epic books, and people talk about things being epic, but living the life of Christ in the world and, and making disciples that make disciples is epic. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty good. I didn't write that down somewhere, but I just wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, get a hold of us uh, on our Facebook page or on our Instagram. Contact us through our website, unrefinedpodcast.com. Let us share what we want to see what we believe the Lord wants to see in the world. And, and particularly when things are getting worse and worse, the, the way that we can be light and salt in this world. And I have one more thing. My wife and I both do a form of coaching and, and prayer counseling, healing prayer called soulscaping. And if any of you are out there or dealing with um, anxiety or traumas or just stuck in life, stuck in business, stuck in whatever, 
we would love for you to make an appointment with us. And we would love to sit down and, and just have a consultation, talk to you a little bit, and then see if we can help you get through those hard spots. It's helped me. I appreciate you guys listening to us and just supporting us in any way you can. Yes. Thanks, guys. Stay naturally supernatural.